Podcast Network is proud to have Fansets as its presenting sponsor. Fansets is the place for amazing pin collectibles with over 300 officially licensed Star Trek pins and new releases every month. Stay tuned for a special discount code. Good on your next order at fansets.com. Just for Discovering Trek listeners. Fansets, our pins have character. Hey, DT listeners, what's shaking? Sarah and Casey here, and this is Discovering Trek Enterprise. Welcome to the First Frontier. We two hecklers at movie night are back to chit-chat about another episode of What of Enterprise. This is the first full series watch through for Sarah, and it's a rewatch for me. Today we're talking about Rogue Planet. This episode originally showed up on the airwaves or your cable box about 20 years ago on March 20th, 2002. So, if in the last two decades you haven't watched this episode, maybe you never will. But just in case, you can put us on pause, fire up Paramount+, Plus, Amazon, Netflix, physical discs, whatever, and watch the wannabe predators of Rogue Planet. And then come on back here and listen to us talk about space jungles, tricky hunting, and Archer having a living campfire story. Woof, woof, that's what I say. And off we go. get into rogue planet we want to remind you that we want to hear from our listeners about everything enterprise so how can all of you get in touch with us with your thoughts on the first season of star trek enterprise oh gosh there's a bunch of ways listeners can do that of course they can go to trekgeeks.com slash contact and leave an email right there to give us their thoughts or hey on twitter or facebook all you have to do is search for discovering trek and you can leave us a message there You can leave us a voicemail by visiting our website and hitting the big blue button. Please remember that any comments you leave us might be used in a future episode of Discovering Trek. Enough of that. Let's get on to the pie chart. Slices of pie, everybody. We're getting into it, Sarah. It's a real thing. What what do you give Rouge Planet? I gave it um, four and a half slices of pie out of six possible slices of pie. I liked this episode. I thought it was a very classic Trek, um, much better than some of the other episodes with planet and aliens. (laughs) Good description. (laughs) Um, But again, it was really lacking in the Hoshi and Mayweather action, in my opinion. So that's what kind of... uh, demerited a couple of slices slices for tomorrow leftovers Mm -hmm. (laughs) i well there you go i gave it a a four slices with some ala mode uh i thought they did a you know nice job of showing some character growth for archer fair representation of hunters and non-hunters uh i very much enjoyed the subtle and sometimes not subtle vulcan ribbing being given to archer uh, and, it, you know, it's a nice slower-paced character episode. And, hey, it was visually different. Very dark visually. And mm-hmm. you know what else is going to be really dark? What's that? <laughs> My rhyming. <laughs> oh, have some faith. Oh. Uh, dazzle right. me with it. Let's go. I, I shall razzle and dazzle. Ooh, double. So, so here we go, peoples. Because Archer can't sit still for a decent photo, Trip fails as a photographer right from the get-go. 
Paul gets in a really good zinger, the painting at Starfleet Command won't be a dead ringer. Hey, what do you know? You could not have planned it. Not a system to be found, yet there's a rogue planet. The crew shuttle down to the surface to see what's what. Malcolm has more badges than Archer. That's the scuttlebutt. Our crew find a camp, but no one is home. They meet the Esca. On a hunt, they do roam. There's something going on with the hunter's group. They seem a little quiet, hiding the real scoop. The captain sees a vision that is impossible out there. A human woman dressed in night sleeping wear. The hunters give Archer grief and side eye. One group hunts wolves, another off to mineral springs nearby. The hunt is really for wraiths who are intelligent and sly. One hunter gets attacked on the chest, but not on the thigh. Archer gets another vision. Who or what can she be? We have a story centered on an Archer mystery. Turns out the hunters can detect the wraith's fear, and they use that advantage for days out of the year. The telepathic shapeshifter asks Johnny for help with a sincere plead. Can the captain get a solution with action and speed? Archer shares his outrage with his concerned bridge crew. We must think of something. There must be something we can do. Flox creates a compound to mask the wraith's smell, and it turns out this solution works out quite well. The Esca leave shut out with no trophy in hand. The Yates poem come alive. Thanks, Archer, for the life-saving plan. Ta-da. <laughs> Ta-da. Amazing. Oh, well, thank you. All right, so there you, there you go. I like it. That works. I think it was nothing dark about that. I think it was <laughs> light and airy, like a just, spring just, day. Just my soul. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. All right. So what do we want to say about this? Well, gets me thinking. Does it get yeah. you thinking? A little bit. I don't remember oh. much of it. Okay. Well, <laughs> <laughs> show is the show is so forgettable to me. It's just painful. I feel so badly. I don't think you should feel badly at all. It doesn't. It doesn't resonate a lot of the time so yeah. far this season. Yeah, you know, I'll like with a couple of these episodes that I watched. I watched like two or three in a day. I was trying to like get a little bit caught up on things, and I would be like, "This was a really good episode," and it would follow up with another one. I'm like, "Another really good episode." I'm really excited, but like two days later, I'm like, "Oh, what did I watch?" Mm-hmm. It, sometimes it feels like, you know, fast food or mm. delivery pizza, which is great at the moment. And then two yeah. days later, you're like, well, eh, okay. Yeah. But I think there were definitely some very interesting aspects in this episode. You know, it's a, it's a decent yes. Archer-driven episode. Yes, he is tolerable. Right? For him leading this episode, he was tolerable, for sure. Yeah. He's not a jerk the entire time. No, it's just, I, uh, is this an ensemble show or is it not? No, that's the only thing I, uh, that I'm starting to kind of just be a little frustrated with. And that's why I made the comment about Hoshi and um, Mayweather, because they're just just window dressing, window dressing. They just ghosts that glide past the camera uh, with a couple of one liners that are not helpful at all. Right. I mean, on all this stuff we have with, you know, Archer and T'Pol have a couple of really good interactions. Yeah. And then they have a great talk 
in, in the tent where Archer opens up and, and they both listen to each other a little bit more than they have been previously. Mm-hmm. And I found that refreshing because it was like, okay, you know, Archer, I know I'm seeing this thing that can't possibly be here, mm-hmm. but I'm seeing it. And I've done scans to see if there's any great pot on this planet and there isn't. So my mind isn't screwed up and I wasn't asleep. And, you know, he's not as just, I'm right. I'm right. I'm right. And, and to Paul, you know, respectfully listens, but you know, doesn't agree. Says, Hey, what about this or, or this, or, you know, Hey, maybe go up and have flocks check you out and see if something's going on. And Archer bristles a little bit on that, but not, how we've seen him with other stuff where it's just a flat out, no, you're wrong. So that like growth was amazing. But to counter it, like you're saying, you know, Hoshi, Hoshi and Archer are there while Tapal, you know, and Malcolm Trupoff at the beginning. So when the first two Eska come back, it's obvious that our Hoshi has done her job because they can understand the Eska. They're, they're translating it. Mm-hmm. but it isn't shown. It's not even mentioned. And that no. was a bit of a bummer. Like, Hey, you know, you know to Paul Malcolm went back and, and go, how can we understand them? And Archer goes, well, Hoshi kicked butt and got the translation going, you know, within a half hour or something. Mm-hmm. Right. So who is he? Yeah. It almost seems like, and this is in no way uh, a jab at the the T'Pol character or the writers, because I'm really enjoying her character a lot. And I think she's the the forerunner of the show right now. But maybe they should have skipped out that tent talk with her and had it be Mayweather or Hoshi for an opportunity for them to bond with the captain and give them some mm-hmm. lines. I think it would have been a great moment for any real character to be in that other than Trip or T'Pol, because they're the only ones right. that are ever having these moments of growth with the captain. I think that that really shows the problem of the the first season where they were trying to make a big three mm-hmm. and really focus on on them. Yeah. After we had, I think, very strong more ensemble shows beforehand, and then totally. this this flip, and it's like, mm, I I gotta tell you, I really enjoyed Archer getting dropped down a peg every now and again in this episode. Right. <laughs> it's great. Keep it coming. <laughs> It's just like, hey, you know, to Paul, it's like, hey, you know what? Vulcans are revered for what they do, for their accomplishments, not the way they look. And I was like, "Hmm, nice zinger. There you go. Malcolm, 28 Eagle Scout merit badges. And Archer (laughs) only has 26. Yeah. That was pretty funny. Uh, The hunting group. I love them. They just give Archer grief left and right, little side eyes, little little semi-snarky comments. Mm-hmm. And it was just, right, this, this is great. Just keep doing that. And then what, what about this? I think when T'Pol was talking with Archer and she questions, you know, if he'd be so interested in finding this person in the jungle, if it was a scantily clad man. <laughs> right. Bam. Woody. Smack. It's a good one. It's a good one. I like, I I don't know how to best describe it, but I like the, the hunters had that. How can I describe it without 
it, it was the wake up call that Archer needed that he's not the tough guy. He's so straight laced. Like mm-hmm. it's like the the polo shirt guy at the country club getting his ass handed him by the guy that like works in the kitchen, <laughs> who's like the man's man, you know, like the oh, you know how to, you know, oh, you're you good took with your a, hands, like yeah, meanwhile, a, a it's like the, <laughs> you yeah, took totally. a Tybo class and you want to fight me? Yeah, that's what I liked. It was kind of the like sit down son like you don't really know Mm -hmm. what it's like out there in space um and i think that that's something that he needs to be reminded of is that he's been coddled and raised on earth with very little exposure to the realities and so when you see these episodes that drop hints of like these situations and these planets and these aliens that exist out there it's kind of a good reminder to him of being like yeah you're gonna get your butt handed to you a few times and you need to accept it and um Mm -hmm. and take those as learning opportunities and don't sulk and be mm. a little baby about it. So that was kind of what I liked about it was the, you know, the yeah. kind of the ribbing and the, the bugging them and just calling them out. It was good. There was an older sibling feel. Yeah. To to all the hunters. And it's like, okay, th- this is the youngin. This is the one we're going to give crap to who, you know, wants, wants to play with the big boys. Mm-hmm. does it, you know, hasn't figured it all out yet. And the, the hunters were like great taking Malcolm with them. And even though they were, you know, trying to hide a secret from him of what they were really hunting, you know, essentially at all. And it was like, okay, so that was deep, but they made sure, you know, take care of our guest. Yeah. And it was like, you know, these these are more well-rounded characters than a straight up villain or, or, or hero. And it's like generations coming, generationally coming to this planet and for only four days out of the year. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know how long their year is, but I was like, okay, that makes sense. And uh, Tripp's fascination with taking like crappy pictures. (laughs) That ancient camera. What is that? (laughs) You'd right. think they'd have like contact lenses they're wearing that would take photos by that point when you think about the technology we have just today. <laughs> Brutal. I was I was laughing when he's like walking around those thermal vents and all this stuff. He doesn't fully even stop to take the picture and then move. He's just continuously moving. I go, your photo albums must be wretched, Blurred. my friend. Blurry. I, I guess we know why somebody from Florida broke up with him because if that's the stuff he's sending in his communiques, he's like, uh, nah, interested. I don't think so. You know what I am interested in? I think you're interested in fan sets. You got it. Oh my God. Discovering Trek listeners, we want to thank fan sets for being the exclusive sponsor on Discovering Trek. The fan sets crew are constantly working to put out the best product available and to come up with new designs and product releases. There are more wonderful new products out right this moment. There's the Fantastic Discovery Enterprise Command Delta Pin and Magnet, the TNG All Good Things full-size Delta and the Voyage Home character pins from your favorite series, amazing full-size and mini Delta pins, and of course, wonderful non-Trek items like Rick and Morty, DC Bombshell, Scooby-Dooby-Dooby-Dooby-Doo, Ultraman, and DC Comics Classics. There are hundreds of pins and accessories for you at fansets.com. So right after listening to us, or if you can multitask while you're listening to us, go to fansets.com, scroll along all the amazing pins offered, load up your cart, enter the special code word DISCOVERINGTREK in all caps with no spaces at checkout for an amazing 10% off your entire order. Don't forget, 
if you are in the United States of America and spend more than $30, you will also get free shipping. Free shipping? Man, Fansets. Our pins have character, and we thank our friends at Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Mm-hmm. And how. <laughs> What's the chef got going for us? I am really curious to know what the special is because I feel like this episode is slowly losing points for me because I'm just so unable to remember anything else about it. <laughs> well, chef, I, chef special of the day, my friend, uh, are leftovers. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. But, but if we warm it up right and add a little fresh seasoning on it, it could be just fine. If you have a side of barbecue sauce, it can help many a thing. Everything. Except for fish. Yeah. Except for fish. That, that would suck. So please don't do that unless you really like that combo and then I'm not going to judge you. But yeah, um, let's start off here. I got a question for you, Sarah. Bring it do, on. Do you think this episode could have been like a Riker TNG episode or a Chakotay Voyager episode? I think this could have been a Cisco episode. Ooh, do tell. I don't know. I just see him because it's very like emissary. Like, what am I looking mm-hmm. at? What am I doing? I'm kind of like, it just has that feel of like, is this real life? Is this just fantasy to keep on quoting queen? I mean, yeah. <laughs> <no>. <laughs> um, between Riker and Chakotay, I would see it. I don't, think it would be a good Riker episode. I think he would, um, I think he'd ruin it with his weird stance (laughs) and his toxic masculinity. (laughs) I think Chakotay would be the sensitive. And I think you, I think this would be a really good Chakotay episode. I like Chakotay. I need to watch some more Voyager. Well, there you go. I need more time in my day. I've been watching Picard again. Right. And I'm like, I had to, I had to put, I had to put DS9 on hold because I wanted to watch some Picard. And now I'm like, well, I want to watch some Chakotay episodes. Oh my goodness. I think if you just sleep two hours a day, you Ooh. can fit in all the Star Trek. <laughs> Red Bull, our new sponsor coming next year. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Yikes. Never sleep again. Yeah. For this episode, it was really interesting. I, I kind of just kept looking and going, you know, was this maybe an idea that had been a couple of series ago and, wasn't quite right, like you were saying, for certain characters, but they just kept, well, just just hold it. Maybe this might be an evergreen story that we can bring in later, and we'll see what's going on. Um, and so, you, you know, it was like a, hmm, okay. Yeah. Uh, kind of interesting. I mean, part of it, in my mind, I was also questioning, is this like a partial visual representation that Johnny Archer has of his mom. I mean, if his mom was reading him this poem, this Yates poem, when he was young, you know, what what clicked in into his head of why this vision? Now it was in the episode. It doesn't say, "Oh, you look just like my mom." <laughs> <laughs> but some, but yeah, I mean, but something going on there of. Or, it, you know, could have been an aunt, a teacher, some, a family friend, somebody else that, mm-hmm. you know, this, this young child brings all the, these things in together. And I, th- I thought that was a, a pretty interesting 
story thing to dive into somebody's mind, but go back further where it's not a instantaneous recognition of a memory. So, you know, add a little mystery to everything going on. Yeah. Did you find it was a predictable episode? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. It was like, okay, okay. He's, he's definitely seeing something there because they don't want to show the captain being psychotic or off his rocker. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it, it, it has to be something. It's obviously not a human woman at all, but it, it has to, to be real in, in some way. Yeah. Um, so it just, it was, yeah, it was predictable. Uh, this, something that I find a little odd in everything. Would would any any aliens that are basically human, would they ever say that they've never seen humanoids before? Would the Eska call themselves humanoids? Would, do Klingons consider themselves humanoids? Was that just a thing of the translator coming through? Yeah, I mean, what does that mean? Bipedaled species or what? Like, I don't humanoid, know. you have to be like a human? Like, well, what if, if Klingons didn't know humans existed, then where did the word humanoid come from? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I just always kind of go, boy, it would seem Klingonoid. more realistic on this. Klingonoid. Yeah. Eskinoid. I mean, I was doing it. Vulcanoid. Vulcanoid. Borgonoid. Oh, I'm annoyed. (laughs) Um, But yeah, and then, you know, in this episode, we touched on it earlier, but, you know, the question, did Hoshi work on translation of the Eska language? And it's like, yeah, she did. And yeah, she cranked it. And that is her gig. And she obviously did it very well and wasn't on some side mission to find out what, what the Eska's favorite food is. You know, it's just like, no, <laughs> do, do your job uh-huh. and she does it. And that, you know, it would, it threw me a little watching the episode. I had to rewind that, that scene a couple of times of, you know, when to Paul and Malcolm come back with the two other hunters and everybody's speaking English, speaking standard right away. And I was like, oh, yeah, she did what she's supposed to do. And, you know, some, some recognition there. So, yeah, yeah, you know, chefs, we're getting fed, but this is, I think, a feeling of it it could have been something fresher, could have been something that was focusing on some other characters like you brought up, really. Yeah. You know, I mean, I feel bad for Billingsley, you know, for flocks being put in that makeup for basically what a day. I mean, hopefully they were shooting other stuff. With him, you uh, think like, that's it? Yeah. Ay, ay, ay. Well, it it just seems to be the most logical thing, in my opinion. If you're going to go with a really classic Trek episode of here's a planet, and it's either like oh, a species being displaced or a species being uh, taken advantage of, shake mm-hmm. it up and don't do the classic three people. Bring in somebody else to make the story a little bit more unique, so it's not being compared to half dozen other episodes of other from other series it's just like it can you imagine flocks on that hunting party yeah that would have been fantastic that boy would have peppered all (laughs) of them with so many questions yes i think they would have said after one day 
um, okay, doctor, you need to go back to your ship now. Yeah. Yeah. We're cutting you off. (laughs) Thanks. You're done. You're voted out of the planet. (laughs) He's all, but no, I want more Drajan meat. Drajan meat with everyone's celery, please. Oh, Oh, goodness. I love it. He's a fun character. Love him. He's a fun character. You know what else is fun? What's fun? This thing you made up that we haven't had for quite some time. Because there's nothing fun (laughs) about Enterprise. (laughs) You're I am working to put as little effort into this podcast as possible. (laughs) That makes me feel good. Ladies and gentlemen. We have a good team. You get all the Trello boards ready and I do all the editing. So it's a good 50-50, but um, uh, just watching it can be a chore sometimes. So to try and think of something for the Enterprise Funhouse is a a challenge. It is a a challenge. But you're bringing it back. So what have you got? I think I found something, my friend. I love seeing actors that we've seen in other sci-fi shows. I like bringing it up and, you know, recognizing the face or the voice. And going, oh, 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 that's blah, blah, blah. So we had Connor O'Farrell in this episode as one of the hunters. Okay. O'Farrell's been in episodes of X-Files, no, Buffy the Vampire up. Slayer, Dark Skies, and also DS9. All right. And then we had Eric Pierpoint. And as soon as I saw this guy's eyes, it's like, oh, I know who you are. So... Point. Oh yeah, it's been an episode of Farrell for sure. Right? Yeah. So Pierpoint, Voyager, Sliders, Babylon Five, DS Nine, TNG, Time Tracks, and the big one was he starred as George Francisco on the TV version of Alien Nation. And and. And most recently, I just saw him on an episode of Parks and Recreation where he plays the chief police officer. And I actually just referenced a scene from that the other day because I love that when they kept talking about Tammy One being a real piece of work. <laughs> it was a real piece of work. Well, I know wonderful... you enjoy being called a piece of work sometimes. I really, that's my goal in life is to, to be see. referred to as a real piece of work by a bunch of disgruntled, <laughs> angry men in my office. <laughs> That's Sarah's a real piece of work. Yeah, I am. Uh, That's because I made you work or I made you do your job or something. You know what I mean? Right. To me, it would be a badge of honor. Where proudly. Yeah. But yeah. So, and and then, you know, we get the little tie-in with O'Farrell having worked, co-starred basically with Gary Graham in Alien Nation. And it's just, I love seeing this, especially when I think the actors are solid and if they keep getting hired, you know that the production must appreciate their talent. They must be relatively easy to work with because they keep getting invited back. And then it's, just, you know, just a nice little way to think about things. It kind of throws me back to then thinking about these other series mm-hmm. just a little bit. And it's like, oh, yeah. Oh, I dug him when he was in this. I dug him when he was that. And it's like, okay. So... Yes, in, in a, a difficult at times to watch first season, this was a definite Enterprise Funhouse moment for me. And I, hmm. and I, was, I was thankful for it. <laughs> Did you know that Eric Pierpoint read for the role of Riker? Ooh, I did not. That would have been interesting. 
Very interesting. I was just looking at a little bit of fun facts for this episode. This is the only time the crew of the Enterprise used their green glowing night vision gear. Good, because that looks so dated and like you went to Toys R Us in the kids' spy section. (laughs) (laughs) And they're like, hey, here you go. Green goggles with a metal headband. Classic. future, people. Well, I think we kind of, this was a leftover episode. I mean, it wasn't bad. It was just. It was fine. I'm finding, I'm finding a lot of these episodes are fine. Yeah. And then like you say, yeah, move on it. Okay. I'm ready for the next one. Whatever. Oh, I I am too. So what we're going to do right now, we're going to close out our tab. That does it for our coverage on this episode of Rogue Planet. We'll be back next time to discuss some Ferengi antics in Acquisition. Yeah. Yay! <laughs> As we continue to celebrate the 20th anniversary year of Enterprise. Until then, remember that you can subscribe to Discovering Trek by searching for us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or by heading to discoveringtrek.com. Heck, you can find us on Twitter. Look for Discovering Trek. Check sure us can. out there. Leave us a message. Totally. Do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. If you are enjoying what we are doing here on Discovering Trek and the Trek Geeks Podcast Network, please consider supporting us on Patreon. As a subscriber, you can get access to the unedited recordings of episodes as well as exclusive content and great subscriber rewards like our annual supporters pins from the fan sets, folks, and our exclusive Trek Geeks Podcast Network t-shirt. We would like to take a moment to recognize the following amazing producers of Discovering Trek. Thank you all for your support. Mike Bobia, Chaz Bradshaw, Kyle Castillo, Peter Craig, Craig Ewing, Jackie and Chris Hackney, Kimberly Hartman, David Hood, Lionel Marchand, Matt McGonigal, Jim McMahon, Darren Metcalf, Charlie Mulvey, Sean O'Halloran, Jamie Rogers, Chris Trebuzio, Ken Tripp, Christina Werther, and Jess Vashon. And, of course, the senior producer of Discovering Trek, Jude Tatman. Jude Tatman. If you'd like to become a producer of Discovering Trek or get access to the raw audio for Discovering Trek episodes, head on over to patreon.com slash trekgeeks for all the details. Since we're off to get some more Drajan meat, a little barbecue sauce, and maybe some other dipping sauces, we're going to dip out to the out. Bye! Music for Discovering Trek is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing an original song for each episode of Star Trek. Hear more of their music at fiveyearmission.net. Discovering Trek is a production of Coconut Media Works, executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app.